Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, The Journey to Create the New Metal Canon. My name is Jennifer Sosha, the Indigo Angel, and with me, as always, the Dean of New Metal, Lauren Kozlowski. Hello. And the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nye. Keep it rolling, baby. Today is a very special April Fool's episode. April Fool's! April Fool's! Whoa! 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 No! Nothing, every, nothing makes sense. Everything's up. Everything's down. Matt, what's going on? So, before we do that, Jenny, what should we do first? Oh, I know what's coming next. Today we're going to listen to an album that we have no idea what it is that Matt picked out. But before we do that, we got to talk about who's tweeting. Who's tweeting? Who is? Well, I'll tell you who's tweeting. It's actually who's emailing. Who's emailing? Who is? Lauren, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Uh, We got an email from Eric, Eric Wiladak. He says, hey, guys, I just wanted to send a quick or not so quick email. Sorry if this goes too long. No need to be sorry. To say thank you. I stumbled onto you guys about five months ago and have been binging you ever since. Having graduated in 2001, just before the come down, I think I was the perfect age for the new. I grew up with two older sisters who introduced me to the metal at an early age. Bands like Pantera, Metallica, and the like. So it was easy to make the transition. They brought me to my first corn show back in 94. I was 12. Wow. Wow. And I've been hooked ever since. I've mostly stuck with the darker, heavier, groovier guys and less of the rapping. Sorry, no LB for me, though I've seen them twice and they put on a good show. That being said, I can listen to and appreciate it all. The reason for this quick history is to help explain how much of a nostalgic trip down memory lane these past couple of months have been. We don't see eye to eye in everything, but it's your chemistry as a trio and your in-depth analysis that keeps me coming back and has given me a deeper appreciation of a genre that I've been listening to for a quarter of a century. Now, I will be honest. Here we go. I've not listened to every episode. Uh Nobody is asking you to. (laughs) Well, I'll just say, how dare you? No, that's fine. Um... I've done some skipping around and I'm still working my way through. The whole time I've been racking my brain to come up with a good new recommendation and I'm coming up empty. I was going to go with Puya originally, but then I found that great episode. Thank you. Quick side story, as if this email was already not respectful of your time. All right. You're already throwing the terminology. You're in. Uh, When Puya first came out, they were opening for anyone and everyone. I once saw them open up for Typo Negative. What? What a show. Still one of my favorites. I, I don't think this club full of gothed out metalheads were ready for some <laughs> funky Latin metal, but I was. Back to recommends. Like I said, I did some skipping around and just went back and listened to the Papa's Month, specifically Helmet. I can't remember the exact moment, but Jenny brought up Clutch and mentioned she wanted to check them out. Helmet actually reminds me a lot of old Clutch. When they started out, they were much heavier than their modern stoner rock style. Back then, they were sharing the stage with Korn and other bands of the of the then alt-metal genre. Though like Helmet, not a true papa, I would say that Clutch is at least a biological uncle. I don't think you need to listen to a whole album, but I highly recommend Milk of Human Kindness from their first CD. Once that verse starts, new metal as fuck. That's it. Again, thank you for all you do, and keep up the excellent work, Eric. And lastly, when are we getting our long-awaited follow-up from Charles Manchin? Which I believe has, he has not heard the episode in which Charles. Which was the system of the down system of the down episode. Christmas episode? Correct. Yes. So because I promised to track in 2019 so and I delivered. There it is. So when and you make then it over check out uh, an episode a few weeks back where I dropped some hot bars <laughs> over Andrew W. Boss, <laughs> who <laughs> I mean, it's in the name. He's the boss. He is the boss. He is the boss. Uh, so that's it. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Lauren. I'm sorry. Geez. I'm sorry. It's April Fool's it's Day. April Fool's Day. I'm in charge. You it's are. a joke. It's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's the joke. Um, just kidding. Ah, uh, so that's it for who's tweeting. Please keep tweeting and emailing <laughs> and just contacting us at Roach Coach, Roach Coach Podcast at gmail.com. And hey, you know, go over to Gabber Media. Look at all the stuff that Matt does. It's not just this. <laughs> I do the man it. works his ass off. He does. All the time. I just don't tell him. Why don't people. you show him a little recognition? I, uh, <laughs> man, this is what it's all about. This and, is what it's all about. And yeah, so uh, the album of the week is a great mystery to both Lauren and myself. Yeah. And hand it over to you, Matt. All right. I don't know what to do right now. I have You're nothing good. in front of me. Nothing. You're good because now you have put the show in my hands. And here's the story. So probably a month and a half before this episode even got recorded, we started to talk about April 1st because we realized that we literally are releasing this on Wednesday, April 1st. We were going to do Bloodhound Gang's Hooray for Boobies. Okay. That was the original That was a thought. Mm-hmm. That was, was thought plan. number one. Mm-hmm. But then... We kind of talked about it, and we were like, you know what? That's not gonna. That's not gonna do. And then I was like, well, you guys listen to the album three times, and you always kind of decide, you know, what album we're gonna listen to. Why don't I pick one that I've done some research on? Doesn't have to be a new metal record. Okay, we'll just uh, we'll get started. So, so are, we, are we even going to know what this is? Are you just gonna you're going to know. You're going to know what's happening. In the absence of love, there is loneliness, sorrow, and desperation, and that's where I come in. Welcome to Wig Talk. Oh my God! Ah. The only show dedicated to the lives and times of the Afghan wigs. On this episode, we are talking about the 1993 seminal album, Gentlemen. With oh, me wow. at the table. My good friends, Jennifer Sosha and Lauren Kozlowski, how are you this evening? I'm verklempt. I'm I'm in my feel. I'm I'm all over. I don't know what to do. Oh my goodness! I had to jump into it because I was like, "Stop stalling, let's do it." <laughs> Here's why I chose it. I don't think in Roach Coach lore there has ever been a band more oft mentioned but never explored beyond a cursory once-over. Like, we could have said that um, our good friend um, and lonely goblin... Mortis. Mortis. Mortis has been mentioned on the show quite a bit. But Wig Talk even came up two what? weeks ago, yeah. three mm-hmm. weeks ago, and I felt like there's no other album in their catalog that is like Gentlemen. I think it's kind of... It's a very defining record for the band and the trope, the tropes and the themes of the album itself are very new metal. So, okay. I, I want to talk about gentlemen, but before we do that, Lauren, what is your experience with the Afghan wigs and gentlemen in particular? Uh, so, um, I, I was aware of the wigs because, uh, I remember seeing the video for gentlemen on MTV and I thought it was terrifying. Like just Greg just cavorting around in this house. Yeah. I mean, just, he seemed very aggressive. He seemed 
ungentlemanly like. <laughs> so that was my first introduction. And I, I remember thinking I wasn't sure if that was for me. And then as subsequent records would come out, I would always see him mentioned in music magazines, especially in Spin a lot. And I was sort of aware of the rep, but I wasn't picking up any records. I remember being aware of Honky's Ladder off of uh, Black Love, but I hadn't picked it up. And then um, I heard uh, Something Hot off of 1965. And I remember seeing that video on MTV2 back when that was the deal. Mm. And I was like, oh, this is this is really something else. But I still did not pick up the album until I went to college. My college radio station had a copy of, of 1965. And I was like, oh, this is the shit. And then over the years, I slowly worked my way back through. But then I also started getting into the side projects, Twilight right. Singers, that type of thing. And I've subsequently since I've seen Twilight Singers in concert and I've seen Afghan Wigs in concert a couple times on the reunion. Tremendous. One of the best. Honestly, the, the first reunion show they did in Pittsburgh um, when it was the full band back together. Probably one of the best shows I've ever seen in my life. Just incredible. And so, yeah, and now I'd say like, yeah, the Afghan Wigs are probably like one of my like most favorite. And uh, as I was just saying a few episodes ago, the Greg Dooley solo record. Tremendous. The guy, the guy's great. So, so I have great, great affection uh, for, uh, for this band. And uh, although I will say that my favorite albums from them actually are Black Love and 1965. Those are my two real go-tos. Uh, but I have read the 33 and a third book on Gentlemen. Well, I have it in my notes to mention because I fucking wrote notes. There we oh wow, <laughs> oh, Matt wow. did it up. Okay, all right, Jenny. Same question. So I uh, well, I guess like in terms of when these records actually came out, I was very late to the game. I started listening to the Afghan Wigs probably two thousand four. Um, Gentleman was my entry point into listening to that. Black Love is probably my favorite Afghan Wigs record. Um, but I just like, I think I was in like a real salty, shitty relationship time mm. in my life. And I was just ready to, to embody Greg Dooley at that time. Um, so I really love it. That was like probably one of it might still be one of my most listened to records. Um, my relationship with the Afghan wigs has kind of, I don't know. It's, it's complicated over time. I don't know how well some of this has aged for me just from like the perspective of listening to the lyrics and thinking mm -hmm. about what it means. And also, having known and dated so many men who were so like attached to this sort of like brooding sort of shitty, like listless yeah. character. Mm -hmm. um, so my feelings about the content have kind of gone all over the place over the years. Uh, but I still listen to gentlemen, black love, 1965 quite a bit. Um, I went through, twilight singers phase i never i like twilight singers it never quite captured me the same way that afghan wigs did but i saw twilight singers i think at um st andrews hall i think we talked about this we were at that show but we yeah. didn't know each other yeah. yet we yeah. didn't know each other yet yeah. there we were mm -hmm. um and it, and i don't know what else to say love love the boys Mm -hmm. That is just great. Um, this was also my entry point into the wigs. So this this significant album or this particular album is quite significant in their catalog. That is, they were on Sub Pop Records for the first three records that they made. And this is their hop over to a major label, Elektra. Uh, it was released October 5th, 1993. 
uh, in the band at that point in time, we had Greg Dooley on guitars and vocals. We had Rick McCollum on lead guitar, John Curley on bass, and Steve Earle on drums. This is the last record with Steve Earle. He departs the band after this. And I heard this, the first time I heard this, I had joined that video music video club. So in 1992-93, there was this VHS tape that like the major labels would email you or not email you like physically mail to your house that had like 10 music videos on it mm. and it was called huh <laughs> <laughs> it was called huh it was called huh okay h u h and i might even still have this in the back room i did not look but the video for gentlemen was on that and it was one of those songs that doesn't, and this I think is the big thing and why I kind of wanted to talk about the Wigs is that they were and kind of still are a band out of time. They haven't necessarily ever fit in the time period where they are, but at the same time, they make music that could be associated with any time mm-hmm. post like 1970. Right. You know, like they came out, this album comes out in 93. Grunge is the hottest thing. They get lumped in with grunge when this is the furthest thing no. yeah. from grunge no. as I can call it. Not grunge. And, you know, not to parallel too much into the Roach Coach world, but like there's tons of bands, like when we look at Deftones, that doesn't necessarily n- equate themselves with that sound, but here they are lumped in with it. Right. Um, because our genre tags on this are just alternative rock. Yeah, that checks out. It does yeah. check out, although. They're a rock and roll band, according to Mr. Dooley. Uh, <laughs> what is a rock and roll band? We're just a rock and roll that tracks, band. That yeah. tracks. And, and you know how we pitched it, too. Hey, we're just a rock and roll band. We're just a rock and roll band. Uh, What's this... your name? <laughs> I'm getting out of myself. Yeah. <laughs> you got to. Uh, this album was received critically very well. Mm-hmm. Um, very well, all music with four and a half stars. Chicago Tribune, three and a half stars. Rolling Stone, a four star review for Gentlemen. Mm. Um, and the Brits loved it as well. But it did not sell well yeah. uh, compared to its counterparts. Mm-hmm. It sold moderately okay, and the Whigs toured until they basically imploded their band with drugs, alcohol, and hate. I mean,. If anyone is indulging in the, we talked about it on the Deftones episode, the three things, your druggy drugs. You got your druggy drugs. You got your drinky drinks. You got your drinky drinks. And boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, you got drinky drinks. And then if anybody's got some ladies rolling around, it's Greg Dooley. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In my notes, and I'll just jump ahead, I wrote, Dooley fucks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that may be a redundant note, but it is still <laughs> it is, accurate. It is a hundred percent in there. Um, let's talk about this album cover. It is based on the work of Nan Golden. Uh, her cover, the cover is based on Nan and Brian in bed, which is a despondent lover looking at their partner who's smoking and looking out the window. Um, instead of it being grown ups, it is children. 
Uh, Linda Ronstant was allegedly furious over the album's cover, according to Wikipedia. Wow. Mm. Um, the the album cover is unmistakable. Like it is part of the fabric of modern music in my mind. Like it is. It's iconic. I, it is iconic. It's iconic, and, and yeah. it captures. If you look at it in face value, it's actually very grotesque. But the subject matter of gentlemen at times is grotesque. It is children playing an adult's game. You know, they're trying to... It's about a breakup. The whole album's basically about breaking up. It's about a relationship. And it's about how neither person necessarily is in a good place to be able to emotionally handle everything Mm -hmm. that's going on. And at their core, they're just children. So true. So true. Yeah, I I always kind of looked at it as this sort of interesting inversion of just like, you know, when when the civility drops away and things start to fall apart and everybody just starts to like, you're acting like a child. Mm -hmm. That that was interesting, you know, sort of just imagery that created on that. And I mean, it's such a credibly this like perfect piece. Like you look at that, you, you got to know there are people that are like album cover, like creators who are always mm-hmm. working and they look at this gentleman album cover and they go, motherfucker, this guy fucking did it over here. I could only hope. <laughs> yeah. I can only hope. Linda Rodstadt says, I'm just one belly button away from being child pornography. <laughs> that is what, that's what I read. Oh, that's what you read. Oh. I right. do have this record on vinyl. Okay. I bought the Afghan Wigs Gentleman at 21, the three LP set from Discogs Ooh. at an astonishing $50. <laughs> not a big okay, thrift, man. Not, not, not a big thrift. <laughs> not big <a> Discogs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a b- 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 ball and out of control. Uh, inside of this edition, it's pretty neat. You get the album flat with all the lyrics and all the credits. So we'll be referring to that quite often during this session today. But it also comes with this amazing uh, promo Whoa. photo of the the quint uh, or the quartet together, Dooley and the boys. It also comes with a sticker. Uh, the Afghan Wigs famously used the Stax logo. And they parodied it, and they put the Afghan wigs and a door hanger because Greg Dooley fucks that says, do not disturb listening to the Afghan wigs or be sweet, the Afghan wigs with voulez-vous coucher avec moi on it. Oh, Greg. That's turning turning into the spin right there. Um, uh, Jenny, this, this, uh, this this photo of the band here, um, my main takeaway is blazers. Yes. <laughs> my main takeaway is goatee. Yeah. I got to tell you, he he did these promo photos. I think he went home. Maybe they sent on the proofs. Maybe he just walked by a mirror and he went, wait a minute. That's what that looks like? <laughs> That's what I've been doing? Yeah, that yeah. goatee... I guess so like in Ooh. the in ninety four you could fuck with that goatee. Yeah. But I mean that thing was gone. I mean that thing was gone by the gentleman video. I mean yeah. he was like, Oh no, no, no. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's very cast of Frasier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These yeah. are big suits. Yeah. Um I mean in nineteen ninety three I was nine years old. 
Mm-hmm. So I guess I can't really speak to who fucks in 93 because <laughs> <laughs> I was watching The Little Mermaid. <laughs> Uh, producer on this album is Craig Dooley. Oh, yeah. And you're going to see that quite a bit. Uh, this man has full control of what's going on in the wig verse. Real recognize real, Matt. <laughs> so this album was mainly written on the tour cycle for Congregation. Um, and <laughs> B-Suite was written in Tampa, Florida. Nice. There we go. Um, get that golf size. Get going. that golf size. Uh, it is not considered a concept record. It is not considered a narrative record. It is considered a song cycle. I had no idea what that meant, but it's a collection of songs with the same or similar theme. <laughs> Whatever. It's always felt like a narrative to me. Mm. Jenny. Narrative or song cycle? Where do you stand? Uh, I I first heard the term song cycle about 20 seconds ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> that felt like me doing research on this record. Yeah, I'm going to say song cycle. Um, I uh, am I'm looking up the Wikipedia for song cycle. And uh, a, uh, a song cycle is a group or cycle of individually complete songs designed to be performed in a sequence as a unit. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how that's necessarily different than a narrative. I think a narrative would insinuate a story. Oh, so it would go so, on to the next song. Yeah. And you know what? There isn't one because it isn't like the main character of Gentleman is Bob Williams. Right. The cad. It's Greg Dooley. The dude. <laughs> the dude. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. I, I think it makes more sense as a song cycle. Yeah. So uh, instead of the traditional Roach Coach way of kind of listening to a middle, uh, minute of the song and then kind of commenting it, I'm just going to play it kind of and we can talk over it and kind of give our thoughts about it. And then uh, we're going to decide per song the dooliest moment. Um, mm. So that is the lyric or moment of the song that is like, that is the Afghan wigs to me or that is Greg Dooley to me. The initial sounds that we are hearing there is from a Cincinnati bridge. These guys are from the suburban Cincinnati town and this is them going over one of the bridges in that town. Mm. Mm. There's a lot of fun trivia about this record. (laughs) Jenny, do you feel at all that we have been slacking on our notes taking in comparison to what Matt has been doing for the past 10 minutes? Uh, I mean, it occurred to me. (laughs) (laughs) I've been writing this is a hot open for 199 episodes. We're this is like a follow the leader level <laughs> record in, yeah. in like the canon of pop music. <laughs> right. <laughs> a little so, bit more to yeah. work with. Yeah. Yeah. That said, we're slacking. <laughs> we're slacking a little bit. Okay. Well, there, there is the 33 and a third book that was written about mm. this album. Um, what are your initial thoughts when you hear If I Were Going, which is the song that's playing right now? Um, especially in the um, in the canon of uh, Greg music and the canon of Afghan wigs, the first song is generally like a scene setter before we really dig in to something like Gentleman later on. Because um, I think about like the first song on uh, Black Love, uh, you know, we're 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 warming up. Greg is always warming up, you know, and then that that I think feeds into also his like. Like if you don't want to get into it, like the the Lothario skis get, you know. But he's like, he, you know, he's he's warming up. He's like getting up. He's siding up next to you, like, hey, I'm Greg. We're about to be in a song cycle. I, 
cannot agree more because I, I wrote the, uh, let me go to my notes. Go to your no- go to your notes. I wrote something's coming and it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wrote that these guitars are unsettling and they're building to something, but there is no relief in sight. Now here's here's an interesting part because it it's probably the duly my duliest moment mm-hmm. in this song is uh, it don't bleed it don't leave it's locked its jaws and it's swallowing. But what is it? To quote Faith No More, what is it? Oh boy, I'm gonna guess. It waves its finger at me every night and day, and it don't rest, and it don't breathe, and it don't bleed. Oh, boy. It doesn't breathe, doesn't bleed. Okay. It's jaws. All right. And it's swallowing. Swallowing. My first thought now, removed from it, and I did not have this written down, is that it's guilt. I mean, he should feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) He's a cad. Because his first question on the record is, what should I tell her? Oh, that's got to be guilt. He's f- yeah. duly fucks, guys. He does. He does. And yeah, but at the same time, yeah, he's still he's still a man and he wants to be a gentleman. But it's at but the same time. He, but no, he, but he doesn't. But he doesn't. But he doesn't. <laughs> he's not but even he, interested. But he, but he thinks it'd be nice. It'd be he nice. He has fallen in love with the idea of what a gentleman is. Mm-hmm. He watched a Cary Grant movie. And he's like, that's who I want to be. Right. But he is a kid. Yeah, that's right. We've just done, gentlemen. Congratulations. <laughs> we did it. All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I would say, yeah, definitely an, yeah, an overarching sense of guilt that has trapped you. And then how do you get out of it? Because then you're like, will the confession, will the confession absolve you? Will it set you free? So if you free or will it just create more problems? Who's the confession for? Is it for you or is it for your partner? Mm, Who feels better once you confess? Right. You know? Mm-hmm. That's true. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Because sometimes you, you go in, you you drop that truth, and everybody's still very unhappy. <laughs> and you're like, what was the point of that? That's uh, that's what I'm sure what Greg Dooley said yeah. after he confessed. What was yeah. the point of that? <laughs> Does it, do we have any duly moments in uh, the first? If I were going, oh, I mean, for I mean, ultimately, it's it's our love, baby. It's in our bed. Like <laughs> that's that's the most duly line for yeah, me. Yeah, I agree. It's very a very moody boy, a very foreboding boy. Mm-hmm. Which I think also maybe um, is also why this was more of a cult situation than a mass audience situation nobody wants to deal with this because this is a (laughs) little it's a little too unsavory and it's like it's like we said like you can kind of easily package anger and eagerly easily package angst or what have you but something like this that's that raw and uncomfortable that's a that's a tougher sell it's a tougher sell and also i think the thing that i found just reading critically about Greg Dooley over the years and the wigs and all of his various projects is that he is in essence also just a uh, a divisive figure in even your opinion of his like inherent talent or lack thereof because what I seem to find is most of the time you're either a hundred percent this guy the wigs whatever give it to me or you're like who's this 
who is this joker like this guy's like there's a critic i follow i love and one day i found out he's like a huge uh way uh greg dooley wigs hater like he thinks they're he's like he's like, i don't get it at all he's like i don't understand these guys he, this guy keeps coming back with stuff and it's all garbage that's what he said straight wow. up wow yeah i was like whoa dude what yeah but that's the thing that it, it, but also you could argue that's when you have like a strong authorship a strong point of, point of view that you are coming in uncompromised and you're going to run into people who are just like i don't get this at all it's not for me and i'm uh, i'm against it yep so spin magazine uh did gentlemen at 21 interviews with greg dooley and no other members of the band because why would you talk to them <laughs> Uh, to kind of get a track-per-track track breakdown of his point of view. Um, the only very interesting thing in my mind that he says is, I wanted, to in- I wanted the introduction for what was to come to be intimate before it got all stormy, telling you this story in a quiet bar. And I didn't even read that part but before I got here, but at one point I'm like, this sounds like the guy who lost his girlfriend and is drunk in a bar telling everybody, putting all of their business in the street to anybody who will listen. Uh, yeah. And then I wrote, Dooley is the best at being the worst. Uh, yeah. He, I feel like he, I mean, I don't know Greg Dooley personally. Oh. Yeah. But, um, but he's coming in the room. Yeah. Greg, Greg Dooley. <laughs> oh, and it's he's wearing, a Cincinnati, he's wearing a Cincinnati Reds cap. Ah. Oh. Yep, and a weird half face goatee. <laughs> Why'd you bring it back? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's keep moving. This is gentlemen. This is like a. This whole thing is just dripping with wigs. <laughs> <laughs> that guitar tone is so them. Yeah. Like, a few other bands were doing this sound, but, like, I can't name them. Mm-hmm. I hear that sound, and I'm like, that's the Afghan Wigs. The thing that's really remarkable about this album from Congregation to, to Gentleman is that on Congregation, and definitely on Up In It, they still sound like a... They still have a heavy sound that sounds like a lot of other sub-pop bands at the time, but then you get to Congregation, and it's, like, them and everybody else. Yeah. There's an interesting um, writer inside of Dooley's contract when he signed to Elektra that he could write and pitch pitch a movie based on any of his albums. He basically read Prince's contract and was like, I want that in our contract. Hmm. Which is why a lot of Gentlemen is pitched in movie speak. Hmm. Uh, The liner notes inside of it, it isn't uh, drums with this person. It's played by... Mm. Uh, shot on location in instead of recorded at so he was very much in that mindset that Mm. this would be a I don't know if he was trying to think like it's cinema verite like hey let's set up cameras and capture real life with our music but like he's definitely thinking cinematically and I think this song is very cinematic Mm. and an ugly ugly song (laughs) I uh, I think I recall somewhere that like the rumor was that he was going to try to make Black Love into a movie, but then Black Love flopped, and then that was kind of taken off the table. He says in this article that that was an untrue rumor. Ooh, debunk wow. long-held things I thought I knew. Well, that's good. I'm learning. I'm learning. We're all learning. And I'm today. learning to be wrong. Yeah. 
he said uh, I listened to a couple podcasts with him. Yeah, I did a lot of fucking research. I remember when we did Corn's first album. <laughs> yeah, this is the one for I had to come in strong because for a hundred and ninety-eight other episodes, I've been like, first time hearing it. Here's my off the off the cuff response. I wasn't saying that in a way that like I just was like I don't know, I think I was just feeling you. Yeah. I was like, man, does this feel this is I want to be like Matt. This is not a sustainable level of research. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. glad you did. Yeah, but you also see like yeah, like that's yeah we 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 still research, but it's not at the level. I mean yeah, I should dig up like magazine covers and everything. But at a certain point, I remember we would do episodes and I'd go home and I'd be like, we didn't talk about like half the things I dug up. Because there's just not enough time sometimes. And sometimes some stuff gets left to the side. But we are all in wig with, talk. This, with mm-hmm. the wig talk. And mm-hmm. I'm loving it. What did you learn on the podcast? So I learned that in um, in their touring cycle, he got, uh, Greg got completely sick of playing Gentleman Live, even though it was very much expected of the band. And when the wigs ended and got back together, it had been right around 10 years uh, since they had played together and it was he was he was talking to his fellow bandmates and they were like we gotta put gentlemen in the set list like people kind of expect it you kind of gotta play the song and he was like yeah i know and he said he fell in love with it again hmm. um he, he just needed 10 years of distance <laughs> yeah i get it i get i mean i think about that all the time in regards to bands playing songs and just thinking about like a band writing a song and if the thought is ever going through their head of like especially when they pick a single you know maybe maybe you write a whole because like, i don't know the whole process you know but like i feel like maybe you write a whole album and then you sit down with your team and the band and you're like what's the single and when you make that choice you are sort of saying this song i will be singing potentially for the rest of my life yeah, we singing and playing this song. Mm. How do I feel about? It? Is that thought even, or does anyone even think about that? Or am I giving it too much thought? No, I don't. I mean, I don't care. I don't love think to young bands even realize. I think you're yeah. so desperate to have a hit, yeah, that you don't even realize what having a hit means. I, I, if there's any famous bands listening, I would like to know more about that. I've yeah. never really heard that discussed before. That thought of like when you pick a song, you will be singing this one song. You this will, could potentially be the one song or one of many of a few handful of songs that you will always have to do. Yeah. I mean, when we saw Local H, Local H have to do Bound for the Floor, mm-hmm. which means they do Bound for the Floor. I mean, potentially they're doing that song. What if they do like fifty dates in a year? Maybe more than fifty dates. Yeah. I don't know. That's. That's a lot of bound for the floor. And like, how do you not get bored with that? How do you know? I mean, it sounds like Greg got bored with Gentleman and needed 10 years of not playing it and not listening to it to get back around. But some people never stop. Like, I mean, I got to believe. And it's funny because also is that you think about I'll go to like the Beatles, Paul McCartney. Okay, those songs have like a resonance with an audience that's like deep. You know, like people hear Blackbird and they relate to it in such a way or yesterday, the most covered song of all time. But it's funny to think of yesterday to, to somebody like me is like, oh, it's a beautiful song. But to Paul McCartney being like, got to do fucking yesterday again. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. You know, and how do you, but you have to, you have to sell it. You got to sell it. I mean, if you're Jimmy Ray, you can only do 
Are You Jimmy Ray? <laughs> That's the only yeah. song right. you have. <laughs> Eagle Eye Cherry's <laughs> Gotta Do Save Tonight or Get a Fuck Out of Here. If you're Eagle Eye Cherry, not only are you opening with Save the Night as a teaser, mm. you're playing it twice. I saw Duncan Sheik open for Ben Folds once, and he said, what's that? You're having a hard time breathing? <laughs> this song is called Barely Breathing, and that's how he led into that song. You know what? That's somebody who's like, I got to keep myself entertained with this bad boy. I saw the creation live at uh, Magic Stick. They opened with Making Time. They closed with Making Time, and they encored with Making Time. Mm -hmm. They played Making Time three times. Wow. I saw Kid Rock live. He teases Ba with the Ba not once, not twice, but three times before he plays it. When he they, they start the Ba with the Ba, the ba that's going, and then they'll go into another song. Like they'll go into Picture or some shit. Mm -hmm. What a... <laughs> What a deflation on that. I know. Ba, what the ba, I took your picture. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go take a shit. <laughs> I'm going to take wow. a piss. I'm going to take a shit. All right. Boy, um, boy. Duliest moment from Gentlemen. <laughs> Top five duliest moments. No, this, this one's chock full oh, of them. Oh, boy. Uh, man. Uh, Jenny, I'll start with you. I think... Uh, oh, God. This whole song is very dooley, so it's it's like that's so dooley. <laughs> that's so dooley. That's so dooley. It's hard to pick out specific points. I gotta say, I waited for the joke. It never did arrive. Sticks out to me uh, when he says "got" a million times. Got. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously understand. I don't know. For you, for you, you and me. Like, all oh. of it. I can't. Those are the greatest hits, but I could go on. I got to say it. It's it's the obvious. Was your attention, please. Now turn off the light. Oh. <laughs> wow. The man knows how to start a song, baby. Let me go to my notes, which, by the way, I, I probably don't have for the back half of this record. Uh, gentlemen, is the worst defense for what a piece of garbage you are. Uh, you're just telling you're at a bar telling a story to no one. <laughs> um, these chords create anxiety and are barely in control. Dooley sings so confident confidently about his lies that they're almost believable. And this is an airtight rhythm section. Dooley fucks. There it is. All right. Next song, Be Sweet, with probably the unfortunate line that gets mentioned every time gentlemen comes up. might be the truest opening line in the record <laughs> no yeah i would say yeah. so yeah i think this is an r&b song um 
Until this part, yeah. Until that part. Yeah. Like, Until he decides to rip it up. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about it is Greg has a lot of lines throughout his career that on paper seem incredibly clunky and only work when he delivers them. The I had, before I actually heard Be Sweet, I had read this lyric written down in reference to him and talking about the wigs and talking about his career as a whole. And I always read it and then it was like, he's got this line. And I'd read it and I go, I got a dick for a brain and my brain is going to sell my ass to you. And just felt too too wordy too clunky it is a terrible line but it works he sells it he sells it i can't sell it he can sell it the word lothario comes up in nearly every review that you read about this album which i find to be a fairly nauseating word it's not (laughs) is lothario your moist (laughs) <laughs> it might be a moist Lothario. Oh God, you <laughs> hate to run into that, dude. He's just dripping with that pussy juice. <laughs> I mean, he could seal an envelope. Uh, I've got wedding invitations to smell. Get that moist Lothario in here. Uh, flip, flip, flip. He yes. saved us half the time. Yeah, he's he's gross. <laughs> He's super gross. Let me go to my notes. (laughs) I felt good about these notes. Oh, here we go. I wrote, this feels like the truest opening on the album. Dooley fucks a lot. Uh, Can guitars make you feel wasted? Yes. And this Mm -hmm. is an R&B song. Uh, Be Sweet doesn't pay off in forgiveness. The guilt's been turned on the victim, and the hunter has caught his prey. Wow. 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 Why are we even here? I don't know. <laughs> I'm barely here. I'm, I'm just listening to you. I am just I am just in awe of all of this. This yeah. is wonderful. Well, when I write things down and have <laughs> 25 years of experience uh, with the record. It's 28. Yeah. 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 It's a little different than we're like, Matt, what do you think about this song where uh, you know, it rips. It rips. <laughs> and, you know, one, two, three, fuck. What does that make you feel? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, oh man, uh, I guess I have a question for Jenny. Like in general, with gentlemen, is this an album that you like front to back album? Are there songs you pick out, you put on a playlist, or is this like you always have to listen to it as a complete unit? I don't always have to listen to it as a complete unit. I usually do, except for last track, which I'm just I'm with you. <laughs> I'm just like I don't know what are we I think doing this now? record is front loaded. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I. Yeah, I suppose so. I really love my curse. I, I honestly, if they ended it at my curse, I would not be upset. There's 11 tracks on this album. Uh, my curse is track number eight, I want to say. Yeah. And honestly, everything past that point is yeah. not as high as that height. Even for me, like, if you got rid of Fountain and Fairfax... And everything after my curse, I'm good. I don't, I don't like dislike that song, but I think that's like a skipper for mm. me. No offense. No, none of no. deadening no. silence <laughs> in here. So sorry. No, because I, I'm not How that far you. behind you. Because when I listened to this uh, for the first time, I had it on CD, and right around Fountain and Fairfax is where I, I usually skipped ahead. And honestly, I will be honest, because that's what the honest, when you say honestly, what you do. 
I didn't listen to the back half of this album for years. This was like the first four tracks and then next album, please. Hmm. I mean, yeah. I'd- but then one of my friends played me My Curse and I was like, that's on that. Yeah, that's a good one. And that re-engaged me in the whole album. Yeah, I think in general with the Wigs records, I think the only one that I would say is like solid front to back, no skips, is 1965. Hmm. I think there's there's at least one or two slow ones on Black Love that I'm like, we got to keep this going, that I skip over. Uh, huh. That's interesting. Jenny's about to make some notes, too. Oh, yeah. I'm just writing, <laughs> fuck you, Lauren. <laughs> Did you know that if you Google Black Love, you get like a lot of, like, there's a documentary called Black Love and then Oprah's website. Oh, <laughs> so. uh, oh Step Into the Light. Step Into the Light. That's an easy skipper on Black Love. Yeah. Because you go, yeah, because I'm ready to get to going to town. It's right there. Let's get going. Yeah. I mean, but... I think we can agree that Black Love has like the all time closer. All time. All time. It's it's the closest. We're, we're it's wig talk, so it's still a book. It's work. all wig. <laughs> it's all wig. Faded is probably unless someone can challenge this, but I think is like when people are like people hear Prince Purple Rain, and they're like, I want to make my own Purple Rain, and people say that shit a lot, and then you listen to it, and you're like, this song is not long enough. You don't have whatever it is, that thing. And I don't even want to say Faded is as good as Purple Rain. I'm not going to go and put myself on blast like that. But Faded is probably the closest you're going to get to somebody being like, I'm going to make my own Purple Rain and pull it the fuck off. So the interview that I listened to with Greg, he talked about Faded because he said like kind of as a band, they have some great all-time closers and Faded has been on that list for mm. a very long time. Miles is dead from their earlier stuff was mm. kind of their their go-to closers and they've shifted away I think from faded lately or at least on the last tour. Yeah, I think they said they were going to try something else because yeah. they wanted to do other things. But that just feels congruent with the band. Duliest moment be sweet. That that fucking opening line. It's gotta be the opening line. Opening line. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing comes close. Nothing even comes close yeah. to that. All right. The second single from the record. This is Debonair. Top note, big letters, iconic guitars. Absolutely. 100%. This 100%. fucking lick, I love it so much. I hear it. You hear this and you, from a mile away and you know what song it is. It is Honey. The- Honey, be quiet. <laughs> in the hills. In the hills. Is that, is that debonair I hear? <laughs> Get the kids in the basement. Greg Dooley's running wild through the countryside. Why are the Afghan wigs playing in the mountains? What is that sweaty Lothario doing? Get the envelopes for the save the dates. The dirt's turned to mud. <laughs> and and everybody's riding. Oh, yeah. boy. Did somebody show me some pussy? Consent Snake. Consent oh, Snake. Wow, he's here. Wow. Everyone's the, here. Honestly, did not expect Consent Snake on no. Wig Dog. Well, <laughs> It's 2020, 2020, so it's good that he's here. <laughs> it's good that yeah. he's here, yeah. It's yeah. good that he's here. <laughs> At yeah, least absolutely. somebody's showing consent. Yeah. 
Oh boy. Um, I mean, yeah, I agree. Iconic line. Um, Jenny, what are your thoughts on Debonair? Uh, I cannot, this is, I don't know if it's unfortunate or not, but I cannot listen to this record. Uh, so this was like, I, I think many, when I listened to this, which was obviously very long time ago, like the first time I was in like a very different place in my life. And I was a lot, uh, a lot more of that, just like boozy, like I'm just fucked up and like, I could never be in a relationship really. Cause I'm whatever. And I was like, really like vibing with this record and whenever like it would go south with a dude, which it always fucking would, I'd listen to this and just be like, it's just, you know, I'm just, just me who I am, blah, blah, blah. whatever. Cause I knew so much who I was when I was like. 23 or however old but um i remember i was in like a relationship with somebody that was like probably the most serious relationship i'd had and um this was when myspace and like you could have like your songs on myspace was still a thing mm. and i introduced him to this record and he got really like he liked it and then we broke up and he started posting these songs on his myspace things and i was like you don't get to take my fucking I'm a piece of shit record. You and he was like the turd in the situation. I mean, we uh, were both turds in the situation, mm-hmm. but he was like, if we took it to a judge, he did worse. <laughs> okay. And I was like, you can't, don't steal. And he was like sharing the music with people. And it was like the most I've ever related to being like, I showed you that. I was like, you didn't even fucking know what that was until you met me. <laughs> and I was it just like was salt in the wound. Um, oh boy. So when I think he had this song on there and he had when we two parted and Oof. I was like, first of all, <laughs> you fucking broke up with me and now you're sad about it. And you stole my breakup record. <laughs> uh, it was really trying times. Oh boy. Really trying times. And so that's what I think of. I love it. I love it. It's amazing. Well, this is an album about breakups and heartbreak and mistakes. I mean, I know it's not just mine, but I was like, <laughs> how dare you? How dare and now you? people are like, whoa, dude, didn't know you're into the wigs. That's cool. And I was like, no. He wasn't. He wasn't until it was. It was just like when every dude would be like, "She didn't even like Napalm Death until she met me." (laughs) I one hundred percent did that to this guy. I was like, "You listen to dumb shit like Not a Surf before we started hanging out." (laughs) And I love Not a Surf. I I love, but you know, hey, breakups. Mm. They bring it out. Bring bring out a different side. They do. They do. They do. Um, that's a little bit about me. That's great. That um, was amazing. Incredible. A duliest moment. You know what? This ain't about regret. My conscience can't be found. Ooh. That's my pick. That's my pick. Let me go to my notes. Okay. Oh, I love this. <laughs> the wigs have had a lot of modes throughout their career, but this is classic wigs. There it is. There it is. Uh, it's a song where the singer is saying, how dare you try to love, change, be with me. I'm an asshole. I told you. So this is your fault. The duliest moment of this record is that was the deal with my ex-boyfriend <laughs> who cheated on me, dumped me, and then put this on his MySpace page. <laughs> and then I wrote down a little boy as a common theme, a theme of immaturity. And as the scapegoat, you can't blame me. I'm just a little kid inside. It's like, mm. like I, when I listen to this album, that's what I hear. It's just like it. 
as much as it is this guy presenting that truth, quotes, it is also a cautionary tale to everybody else around, like, this exists. Yeah. <laughs> this guy is trying to fuck you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, you know what? Everyone's got their shit. Everybody's got, yeah, their, got shit. their shit. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what was your duliest moment, Jenny? Uh, I think oh. you just told your <laughs> duliest story. Yeah. Oh, she said, I think she said like. That was the yeah, duliest. Yeah. The duliest moment was the story. <laughs> All right. This is when we two parted. The other. I was like, first of all, too obvious. <laughs> a little on the nose, my friend. Yes. Yeah. This is the one of which I wrote, oh boy, now I feel drunk. This song feels drunk. I love this song. Yes. He now, when they play it live, he mixes in Drake's Over My Dead Body. I can see that. And uh, That would work. There's, there's some stuff on YouTube. He doesn't always have the best voice live. He gets very pitchy that's i i I crack that up to the it's the duly live experience you know what i mean it's the real here's the thing i i feel like i'm getting the real instrument i feel like i'm getting a raw moment yep i will say that at the when i saw him at uh the twilight singer show and i want to say oh six he was not in the best shape right a little rounder a little rougher i think we were sweaty he was a sweaty buddy he's sweaty definitely but then when I saw him on the reunion tour, it was like top form, top form. Yeah, like he was back, back in shape. I mean, the voice is 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 aging, and it's not like he's taken the best care of it. Yeah, but I definitely think he's definitely um, aware of the limitations of his instrument and uses it as best that he can. Hmm. Yeah, this is one. I, I think I think I as. I've gone on with the wigs. These type of songs on like the later albums have sort of pulled me in a little bit better, but I'm still, I'm still more there for the rockers than the the Lausch sort of ones. Oh, I love this song. Mm. This, I don't know if it's my, this actually might be my favorite on the record, mm. which is weird. And the duliest moment for me mm. is, uh, baby, I see you've made yourself all sick again. Didn't I do a good job of pretending? You're saying that the victim doesn't want it to end? Good. I get to dress up and play the assassin again. Uh, Then let me go to my notes. (laughs) Yes, please. This song is ice-cold misogyny. Mm -hmm. This song is evil. (laughs) Like, did uh, that moment in Chappelle's special at the comedy store which i don't want to talk about too much he talks about iceberg slim he talks about that book called pimp by iceberg slim and it's like pimps and how they lived their lives in the 60s and 70s and there's a very controlling method that they mention in there that is exactly what these lyrics are whereas like i'm the guy who hurts you but i'm also the guy who comforts you so you're gonna stay with me and Mm -hmm. it's like Oh, this is some sick shit. Get out of there, lady. Get out of there. I mean, I, I'd say my pick is the line only out of the night we come and into the night we go. If it starts to hurt you, then you have to say so. Like things are about to happen. And unless you let me know, I'm not going to stop. Yeah. Which if, is if I inflict shit. the pain, then baby only I can comfort you. Whew. 
I wrote, all of these are my dooliest moments, what you have mentioned. <laughs> yeah. And then I wrote, this is our worst instincts wrapped up in blue-eyed soul. This is... And my favorite song on the record. <laughs> <laughs> in keeping with my consistent love of misogyny, my internalized misogyny uh, runs deep. Oh, boy. I oh. used to think of this as like, uh, I don't know. I felt like I could relate to this song in some ways. And I think it was more about kind of how we've talked about how like people can like project a lot onto like a woman or like project a life. And I'm sure it goes the other way too, but just like feeling like that, like somebody would expect me to be like, they've had this idea of like the kind of chick that I was. And then when I wasn't, it's like, it would kind of go sideways and we'd break up and then they'd be like, no, come back. And I'm like, fine. Yes. Oh, I'm this cool. I'm like, Oh, the chick that works at the record store. Like, sorry. Like Britney Spears, you know, it's just like tough titties. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this is really taking me back. I love it. I love it. Another reason why I did it because I knew that it was a uh, album that both of you had a lot of experience with. All right. So being blindsided with it wouldn't be a bad thing. Fountain in Fairfax. This was my first skip on initial listens. I would hear this and I would be like, I don't know. What's the next song? But then it was what jail is like. And I really skipped that one. So. Oh, no, I've, I've always liked this one. I always liked this one. I'm, I'm way more into it now. I like the guitar work. I love the rhythm section again. Fucking coming through big. And my notes for this is lies, lies, lies. Shit's going downhill fast. It's that unmistakable guitar tone, you yeah. know? It's it's interesting to kind of go back and revisit this album because I don't visit this album too often. It's and it's it's not a it's not a good time. It's yeah, you gotta be <laughs> like I'm I'm ready to have a, a bit of a bad time, a bad vibe if anything. Right, bad vibe time. It's a bad vibe. It's a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> you put this on and everyone's like, man, are you, are you stirring up some trouble over there? Well, remember that when we were talking about you bang Eminem with your lady? Like, I don't think you're banging the wigs with your lady, you know? Uh, you want to just drive around town and listen to Gentlemen? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I mean... Like, would you... Would I... Would you drive around with Mitch listening to Gentlemen? No. Yeah. No, there's like... Like I was saying before, like, I felt... I feel like I was in a real different place when I like this. And while mm-hmm. I can appreciate it, I'm not really feeling the vibe that it's putting out at this like point. I'm like mm-hmm. driving around with my cute ass dog, right, my husband, yeah. and I'm like, you know, if I inflict the pain, <laughs> only I can comfort you. Like that's not healthy. That's not healthy. No, no. If I inflict yeah. pain, I want to talk about it and yeah. make it right. Yeah. Do some repair attempts. Because <laughs> I'm reading the seven principles of making marriage work, there which is. I promise 
Dooley hasn't read. <laughs> Considering that he's still not married, I, yeah, I think that's I think the truth. So. I don't think he's met John Gottman yet. Mm. Um, so many Dooley moments in this. Uh, um, I'm really slobbering now. Let it stink. Ugh. <laughs> that would be my pick. Oh, my. All right. Let's hop into what jail is like. When I was woefully insecure, hi, little one. Oh, hi. A real April Fool's <laughs> treat. My daughter has walked into the room. This is what happens when you just start playing the record. Mm-hmm. Hi. <laughs> stay away from Greg Dooley. Yeah, Rosemary, <laughs> please stay away from Greg Dooley. Uh, the... The thing that kind of kills me about listening to the Afghan wigs and listening to this guy is that this guy, when I was very insecure, was getting things that in my mind I wanted, right? Because I was alone. And so I saw somebody who was getting and hooking up with people and thinking that they, you know, projecting that they were doing better than me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, and now... (laughs) <laughs> someone who has a daughter, a wife, and is now 42, I realized, like, oh, no, he he's not winning. He's not winning. Like, he's not doing well. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I just didn't get that. Yeah. I I mean, I think one of the things I can... I still appreciate a lot about this record, but one of the things is, like, there's no part of this that like Greg Dooley is trying to say, like, this is cool. This right. is yeah. working. This feels mm-hmm. good. It isn't a glamorous record. He isn't glamorizing any no. of this behavior. I mean, I think that's also, I think what makes it resonant too, is that it's sort of like here it all is, but without, yeah, any sort of sheen of selling of like, like, cause there's a lot of, I would say like a lot of rock records. I mean, I think of like a lot of those, uh, uh, Roth Van Halen era, um, I was just about those to records, those, say, yeah. yeah, that's all bad behavior. That's awesome. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's rules. Well, like that yeah. going to Hollywood idea. Uh, like, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, big titty ladies on hot bikes. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> classic lyric, Huge. classic lyric. Yeah. That's yeah. the dooliest lyric <laughs> you just said. <laughs> that's the dooliest. Um, I yeah. think. I think we're going to hop ahead a little bit. Okay. We're going to go straight to my curse because this is where I think the record should end. Uh, This was not recorded by Greg. Um, He wrote the song, but famously, he did not sing on it. Who is that, you might ask? Well, that's Marcy Mays of the band Scrawl. I think this decision to have Marcy May sing on this song is what lends it for some people to believe it is a concept record. Yeah. Because because that has created now like a sense of like a character as opposed to what maybe people just, you know, what the intent was just to have a point of view, a retort of sorts. 
But I could see somebody else being like, ooh, who's this? New character. Do you think the album would be as good if she didn't sing on it? Because it was Greg supposed to sing on it originally. I don't think the record says interesting. I think this adds color and shape that maybe wouldn't be there. What yeah. do you think? I agree. I think this is I think this is what like keeps you into the back half. I think it would make a lot of sense if it was the, the last song. Mm-hmm. I Put, agree. Yeah. I agree. Like when I hear this, number one, I'm gutted nearly every time I hear this record because it is so fucking sad. Um, and she sings it again. It's another example of um, performance. <laughs> <laughs> My little one. Um, it's an example of performance over technique. She sells that song so well, but her voice isn't like I'm listening to Aretha Franklin or someone of whom's voice over time you have mm-hmm. identified as one of the great American vocalists. Right. It doesn't have to be. She has exactly the feel, the grit, and everything that you're looking for to exemplify all the emotions in that album or in that song. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Greg could have serviced the song. Mm-mm. He said he was afraid to do it. I just don't think he could. It's interesting to imagine what it would sound like if it were him. I want, I'd love to get a little like recording of him trying. Mm-hmm. I think I have it in the 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 broader collection. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Which right. is which is interesting. Uh, so I wanted to mention I I've been looking at all these lyrics in songmeanings.com. Zero comments on every song except this one. Hmm. The one comment is from commenter Eternal Tears of Sorrow. It's downvoted. So the one one comment downvoted. And I won't read the whole thing, but they start with I think this is about a dom slave relationship. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then heads up, Lauren. <laughs> oh, it is him. I flinch so when you do your kisses. Here's why, here's why it doesn't work. We've set, he's set a tone in this song cycle. And thus, I don't trust him. This contradicts him. I don't it. trust him. Yeah. Don't trust him. Whereas yeah. the, the female that we haven't, the female voice, we have not heard mm-hmm. the whole record. So she comes in. If this, if the song is a narrative, lied to, mistreated psychologically abused in a way and she comes in with a clean slate or at least a slate of which we have no reason not to believe her. I have, I have immediate empathy. Yes. There yeah. it is. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Since that's where I like to end the record, we're going to end Wig Talk on that song. We're not even going to finish the record. Man, let me tell you, April <laughs> Fools, you don't know what's going to happen. It's a, a twists and turns. Is that... I'm sorry. No, um... So, final thoughts, gentlemen. Great album. It it is the it is still I'd still put it probably like my third favorite Afghan Wigs record, nineteen sixty five and Black Love. I like a bit more, 
probably because they aren't such aggressively hard listens. You know, 1965 is basically like a party record. And uh, but at the same time, it is an essential document, an essential piece of I, I notice here on the Wikipedia, it's in the book 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Wow. I, I agree with that. I do agree with that. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's it's essential also in a way of like, you know, on this show normally we're dealing with a lot of regressive viewpoints in the world, some stereotypical actions, some blatant misogyny that is often peddled as cool, thrown out as kind of like whatever. And on this album, and I don't know if this is like, you know, because it's one of those things where um, like uh, like how much of what you're telling me is so that uh, I am I am removed of the the uh, guilt of my actions versus this is me exposing myself to get over this. And that's sort of on you to be like, you know, is this guy being forthright in trying to say like, I've been a bad person and I want to get better. Do you believe that if at all? Um, or is this just a character study? Like it's like when you watch some crazy indie movie or it's just some weirdo creep going through, going around just being a misanthrope for like an hour yeah. and a half. And you're just sort of like, what am I pulling from this? Am I just seeing you know, a glorification of the misanthropy or a deification. So in that way, you can sort of look at it as like this sort of, I don't necessarily think it's a Rorschach test, but it is one of those things like how, how much do you want to meet this album in its misogynistic misery and whether or not there's like this person's like learning a lesson. Cause it feels like you said, it starts off. The guilt is hanging over him. He knows he's laying it out. But it's tw- it's tough to quit you, baby. You know, it's tough. Mm-hmm. Jenny, uh, I think it's a good record, and that it's something that I definitely recommend people listen to. I think that how you receive it is going to kind of depend on where you are with things, including uh, how you treat yourself and how you treat other people. Mm-hmm. So, depending on where you are in that journey, it's probably going to hit you in a different way. Yeah. But hey, give this shit a listen. If you haven't listened to the whole thing, even Brother Woodrow, <laughs> just, <laughs> just crank it. Well, it's uh, it's the only attempt at redemption in the whole album, and it's not much of an attempt. An attempt, right? It's really just a prayer, and a and a prayer. In in this case, is like the last the last thing that he has. You know, like it's it. <laughs> the change doesn't seem to want to come from within. Before we finish, I think it's only fair that we read the Robert Kreisgau review. I love it. Album. Let me give my final thoughts, sure. and then yes. we'll close with Kreisgau's review. All right. I think this is a very important record. I think this is a very sad record. It can be bleak at times. Is absolutely misogynistic, and I think it is a cautionary tale that's worth the listen and kind of a deep listen to but it is a record that then needs to have the lessons learned from and then to be walked away from i don't this shouldn't be your lifestyle record if it is <laughs> oh boy you know but i mean it shouldn't be it shouldn't be the album that you identify with a hundred percent and is who you are if it is i think you should probably talk to somebody you know, like, <laughs> should, should 
get some counseling and start talking through because you're probably really lonely and it that's really sad. Um, but boy, oh boy, it works on so many levels and the song craft is top notch. The rhythm section is amazing. Um, it's like the days of wine and roses, you know, it is not always the best rewatch, <laughs> but it's very impactful uh, upon first receipt. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Price Gow, take us home. So I just want to mention this is from the Village Voice, March 1st, 1994. Um, this whole, it's part of just a, a group of reviews that he did. I it will blow no one's minds to know that um, incredible hot takes contained in here. I'll read the review and then just to give you where Christ goes mindset was in 1994. <laughs> so first he says, the Afghan Wigs gentleman on Electra Records. With the turn-ons of Liz Fair's music, qua music, a commonplace, how about giving it up to Mr. Greg Dooley? No Butch Vig or Steve Albini tightening or toughening up this sucker. Those conflicted guitars are a direct function of the singer, writer, producer, guitarist, agonized self-exposure slash examination. If the album wears down into covers and instrumentals, that's only to signify its spiritual exhaustion. No reason to trust him, just his brain selling his ass at a higher convolution. But anyone susceptible to simpler lines as fishermen or prey can learn plenty, and the jaded can appreciate the clean, snake-like trajectory of the cast. A minus. Wow. This has been Wig Talk. Wig Talk. You can get in contact with us at Roach Coach on Facebook and Instagram. It is Roach Coach Podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us. Happy April Fool's Day. Happy, Happy April, April Fool's. Fools. Lauren, thank you. Matt, thank you. Jenny. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.